Amen. In this session, I will be speaking on the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Turn to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Um, when we're talking about compensation, this is one key that is very important. And there shall come forth for the rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Um, Isaiah 33 verse 6, the Amplified Classic, Isaiah 33 verse 6 says, and there shall be stability in your times, Isaiah 33, 6. And there shall be stability in your times, and an abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge, the reverent fear and worship of the Lord is your treasure and his. The fear of the Lord is called a treasure here. You know, a treasure like a storehouse. If there's a storehouse with goods, there will be many things you can get out of that storehouse. The Bible calls the fear of the Lord a treasure. It is your treasure. It is his treasure. Things will happen in our lives when we learn to walk in the fear of the Lord. Psalm 19 verse 9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. So the seven spirits of God, they are listed there in Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. And in the course of this teaching, maybe as the days go, go on, we, we, we'll get into the tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle, and be able, to see, <laughs> be able to see the degree of glory at each level. There are things that you will get away with in the outer court that you will not get away with in the holy place. There are things you get away with in the holy place that you will not get away with in the holy of holies. The more of the presence of God we have in our lives, the more of the glory of God we have, and the more compensation we are going to see. Amen. And this, when we talk about the fear of God, I'm not talking about like when a snake comes in a room. I'm not talking about you being afraid to talk to God because you feel unworthy. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's a reverential fear of God. There's a fear of God that, um, <laughs> that comes with intimacy and fellowship. There's a fear of God that comes with the manifest presence of God in your life. You know, there's a story in Acts chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. It's not a very positive story about Ananias and Sapphira. Maybe another time we'll look at it. What happened with them? They made pledge. They didn't bring the complete pledge. Have we? you? You pledged 100,000, you brought maybe 50. They say, is it all the pledge? They say, it's all the pledge. And what happened? Does anybody remember what happened to them? They fell dead. Now, but don't raise your hand. How many of you have never completed a pledge? So people are saying, God, more of your glory in our lives. Do we want more of that kind of thing? 
If you will not give me amen today, I can tell you this is not a bad topic. It will help you. Because the more you have the fear of God in your life, it will keep you from evil. The more you have the fear of God in your life, the more the presence of God will come into your life. The more you have the fear of God in your life, the more compensation will come into your life. There's something about the presence of God in a place. We were looking at um, the other seminar we had here before this one started. We looked at Uzzah, the house of Bedidom. The ark was there. I mean, when you saw what that ark did to Uzzah, you say, bring the ark to your house, will you agree? I'm sure King John said, well, which house? Take the ark there before we all die here. Is that not what happened? But that ark became a blessing. One of the mistakes we make is that, yes, it's our father, it's our Abba father, and we are welcome to come into the presence, to go beyond the veil. But when you lose the reverential fear of God in your life, things will not, there will be no compensation. All right. In my generation, we were raised that the chair our father sat on, you just don't wake up and go and sit on it. Our father will have a particular plate and cup. Is anybody raised in that generation? Where you just don't go and your father's chair, just go and sit on your father's chair. In our time, somebody will have given you from the back, another person will give you from the side. And that, you know, but, but nowadays, people don't have any fear of God. I was in the University of Lagos preaching. I don't know the year. I don't know if you were there in that meeting. I don't know the year it was. Probably 85 or 84. Was it 85? 85. And we were in that meeting. A simple word of knowledge. I can't even remember what the word of knowledge was. And one, it was a brother. He started coming. And I said, it's not you. Go back. It's not, the brother just, it's not you. Go back. You know some people, they must answer every call. The one that is their own, the one that is not their own. On a, on a normal day, when the glory is not strong, so strong, it's not a big problem. You get away with it. Thank God I didn't touch him. I stood where I stood. When it was about one meter from me, the power of God literally took the guy up like this and dropped him. All of us fear God that day. Everybody was there. Now, but God doesn't have to drop you. <laughs> If I went, I think it was a sister who eventually came out, who the word of knowledge was from. Nothing happened to her. It was just so calm, so peaceful. But what I'm going to say is that the child who goes to sit in his father's chair without permission, and the father comes home and you are seated, even if you use eye to look at you, you feel like the ground should open. But the child who is cleaning that chair and welcoming the father, that child will get more from that father than the one that didn't respect the father. Are you, are you with me? Now, we are not hearing more teaching about the fear of God because people think the fear of God is, is a negative thing. But it's not a negative thing. Let me show you an example in the Bible so we can just get on with it. Um, let me say it this way. And if you want to note it, you can note it. Experiencing the manifest presence of God should cause us to reverence God. Experiencing the manifest presence of God should cause us, cause, cause us to reverence God. Exodus chapter 20 
from verse 18 to 21. Exodus 20, verse 18 to 21. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Please note verse 20, Fear not. Somebody say, Fear not. For God is come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. Is it like a contradiction? Fear not. But he wants to put his fear in you. It's like, God, what, what are you really saying? Now, the background is that God came down on Sinai and there were thunderings and... And people say, no, 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 God, don't speak to us. Now, you know Moses had been in that burning bush before that time. It marked him. It marked Moses. So, what was God saying to Pharaoh through Moses? Let my people go so that they can worship me. What is God saying to us this morning? Come and worship me. Come and be in my space. Come and be in my presence. Hallelujah. Hmm. I'm trying to illustrate. Daniel, come. I just got up from that chair. I'm inviting you to sit in it. Daniel, I'm inviting you to sit in my chair. You see, the boy first hesitated. Isn't it? Like, are you sure I'm really supposed? Yeah, I'm inviting you to sit in that chair. Go ahead and sit. How do you feel? <laughs> How do you feel in that chair? You feel unusual. Uh, this chair, now, wow. I'm sure you are counting the time. Let this man just tell me to stand up from that chair. <laughs> All right, thank you, Daniel. In, in a similar way, God puts his own chair. God of heaven, he puts his own chair down. And said, Daniel, come and sit on my laps. Sit in my chair. There's a way you're going to approach that chair. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or your father says, come and sit in my chair. You're going to come to that chair like, huh? Do you see the difference? You are not fearing like it's going to kill you. But you are, you are, you are, there's a reverence in your heart that, ah, the same chair, the same chair. If you understand the fear of God, you are going to live a more holy life. It's not going to be a struggle. You see, this chair now, somebody says, I want to buy it for 500000 We'll say, ah, please pay so that we can buy another one or better ones or two or three, you know? Someone say, I'll pay a million naira. Someone say, I'll pay 10 million. Why do you want to pay 10 million? They say, Inamdi Aziko used to sit on it. It changes it because of the man that, used to, that sat there. So what will God tell the children of Israel? He said, come so that my fear will be in you. In the Old Testament, the high, the high priest, he could only go into the presence of God once a year 
but not without blood sacrifice. In fact, he had, some tradition said he had bell jingling. But the children of Israel said, no, let God speak to us. Let Moses speak to us lest we die. One of the things I want to say to us is every day, God has a chair there and he's saying, come, let's have a meeting place. Let's have a place of worship. Let's have a place of reverence. The fear of God, it comes with meeting with him regularly. Hallelujah. When you begin to experience that presence, you know there's, how do I explain it? How many of you have been worshiping and suddenly you feel the presence of God in a way you've never felt it before? Anybody experience that kind of thing? You just feel that God is here. And I'm telling you, if you've experienced God like that, you will create the time you need. Money cannot buy the presence of God. Degrees cannot buy the presence of God. Many of us are ministering, we who are pastors, we have to be careful that we are not ministering out of residual knowledge. That we are not ministering out of tradition. That you are actually in a place of reverence for God yourself because it is that reverence you bring with you when you minister to the people of God. Is there an amen somewhere in the house? Look at Hebrews 11 verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ's great riches, esteeming the, the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had re respect unto the recompense of reward. Please switch off that. Just bring it, just switch it off. Assuming the reproach of Christ, greater riches and treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Go to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers 11, verse 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again. Sorry for that. Okay. Verse 5. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away and there's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. The presence of God changes your value. It values eternally. The manifest presence of God will change your values eternally. Why am I saying that? Moses was raised in the palace. Amen? He encounters God. 
he never wanted to return back to the palace. Hmm? The children of Israel were slaves. God invited them to Sinai. They declined the invitation. But every time they had problem, they wanted to go back to Egypt. I don't know if you understand that. Moses was raised in the palace. But he didn't consider the riches of Egypt as anything because he had encountered God. Let me tell you, if the money in your ministry, the prestige in your ministry, the promotion in your ministry, the finances you have personally can change your desire for God or can change you, then you have never really encountered God for yourself. Moses had it all. Paul said, I count these things as dung. Because, listen, when you really encounter God, for me personally, the most important thing to me is the presence of God. Every other thing is rubbish. I will go to a two-people's church. Where is Pastor Didam? One year you invited me to your church, and I've not been able to come back. Even this your new invitation, I'm not sure I can make it because I am booked somewhere. And when I came to his church, the church looks different now. It's very nice. But when I went to that church, there was a heavenly air condition there. Because there were no windows. Is that not true? There were no windows. The thing was blowing. Very nice. When he got up to, to invite me, he said, well, he was, he was telling me on my seat, we're really sorry, you know, this place is not okay. This place is not this. I, mean, I lie. He was apologizing to me. I just looked at him. I said, if God tells me to go to a place, the most important thing is that, that I meet the God that sent me there. That's why many people miss God. You, people use the material realm to judge the spiritual. The place is a fizzy. What word do people use now? A fizzy. can be a fizzy without the Holy Ghost, without the presence of God. It's good to have a nice place. But I had an encounter in your church. When I stood on your pulpit with the heavenly air condition blowing, with the mission people that were there, a lot of missionaries were there, We were raising money for something. I don't remember what we were doing that day. Anyway, as I stood there, a mantle came out of heaven. I saw an ancient jacket. They don't, I've not seen that type in real life. If it came, it came, it came, it kept coming down. May I balance? As I stood there, the mantle dropped on me like that. God added something to my gifting in that church. But when you invite somebody, they first ask you, how many people are you gathering first? Is your church having central AC? <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that if somebody invited me to, a, uh, to, to do a Bible, to teach a course in a Bible school in Europe, the five-star church, and they gave me a book titled The Five Star Church. My very nice friend. So I had to call him. I said, my friend, thank you for the invite, but I don't do this kind of church myself. He said, I don't do five-star church. If by five-star you mean strive for excellence. But if I, I read the book, the uniform, like a hotel, like if you're in a big hotel, what everybody must wear. I said, people who are inside Angua, <laughs> there's no chance they cannot miss that standard because some of them don't even have ceiling 
Your gospel must be applicable in America, in Europe, in Africa, in Asia. Otherwise, it is not the gospel. Well, we are looking like, what is this? I know what I'm talking about. Because the book said how you would dress. I believe in being decent. Everything has to just be this, 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 half this year. Some churches have not even touched their floor. Some of you know when we came here, was this floor, there was nothing. So I said, allow me to teach it the way. And I said, okay, I salute. Just teach what you know. And people were blessed. Because for you to run that kind of church, you must have taken a very mighty loan. At least in the Nigeria of today, maybe 50 million. To have a small place that will take 150 and have that standard. It's like being in a ballroom church. It doesn't work. But anyway, let's leave that. What I'm saying, the presence of God is the most important thing in your life. So they refuse, they refuse the invitation to meet God face to face. And they were always longing for Egypt. If you find yourself saying something like this, you didn't call your name, but if you find yourself saying something like this, if not for Jesus, I won't be suffering like this. That you have not received the invitation to meet God. Paul said, I count all these things. How many of you are still with me? Because you, start, you find out that we start comparing ourselves with ourselves. Instead of all, all of us seeking the presence of God and having more of Jesus. No, I'm for excellence. I'm for wearing the best, driving the best, and all those things. But if you give me all that and the presence of God is not there, then I don't want it. These things shall be added unto you. Can you say a better amen? amen? Hallelujah to Jesus. Let me just help somebody. The presence of God will give you that excellence in your life. But if it's not there and you, you just make things happen on the physical, it will be hollow. I think I've said enough on that. Praise God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Divine encounter creates a hunger for more of God and less of the world. Divine encounter or the divine presence of God creates a hunger for more of God and less of the world. Exodus 24 from verse 14 to 18. Exodus 33 from verse 12 to 15. Now, if you read those two passages, you will discover that... Um, let me start from verse um, Exodus 24. Let me just read verse 18. And Moses went into the midst of a cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. How many of you, if you can be in the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights, is that not enough for somebody for a lifetime? You can write a book about each day you are with God. But not this guy. In chapter 33, the same Moses is talking to God again. A few chapters later, um, verse 30, Exodus 33, 13, 
Now therefore I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider this nation is thy people. Earlier on he said, show me your glory, in that same chapter. Hallelujah. A man had been on the mountain for 40 days in the presence of God. Amen. And the same guy comes down and says, show me your glory. And God is saying to him, you cannot see me. If you see me, you are going to die. Exodus 33, 18. And he said, I beseech thee, Exodus 33, 18, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Brothers and sisters, men of God, women of God, I want to say to you, I am not satisfied with the status quo. I am not satisfied with the status quo. I am not backsliding. I am not living in any sin that I know, but I am not satisfied. The day you get satisfied, you start dying. Listen to me. We've changed how to measure ministry. Many of you are fixing to have big money. Can you say amen? Amen Amen was a little bit weak. But I'm praying for you to have more of the presence of God. Because when you have more of the presence of God, then the money will come without struggle. Hallelujah. 40 days in the presence of God, this man is still saying, show me your glory. Is it not enough? Only you 40 days, you and God, in God's chair. I believe this is how God wants us to be. I think Moses was a bit of a greedy person. Greedy for good things. God, you know, when you begin to experience the manifest presence of God, because you have to deliberately cultivate that. I was preaching in a church in Norway some years ago. There's a a school they have there, a Christian school. I had been speaking to the students in the morning. So we had an evening meeting. The teachers came. And we prayed. Prayed for one woman there. The presence of God was so much. You know, there's always falling and being slain. Being slain is that even when they carry your hand, your hand will do like this. When they carry your leg, it will do like this. We're waiting for this sister. Oh. So they said they are going to call ambulance. So I said, praying. I said, Father, wake your daughter up. <laughs> Father, wake her up. She had been taken to heaven. When will that kind of hunger come back to the church? Where we, are, where we are desirous of the presence of God. And I'm not saying it's an achievement to be taken to heaven. But many of us are so much on the natural side that the things that come out of our mouth when we even have a meeting, there's nothing spiritual about it. We are busy discussing who made the biggest amount of money. Money is the lowest form of power. Because if you have cancer and you have all the money in the world, you cannot heal yourself. It's useless. But that presence of God, you cannot buy it. My prayer for you this morning is that like like Moses, you are not going to be content. There are realms in God that God can take you. 
Once in a while, you going to heaven and visiting is not a problem. You know, there's no much gap between here and there. But it will take people that will cultivate an attitude, a hunger for the presence of God. One of the things that used to intrigue me as a young man, well, as a student, is when my friends tell me God spoke to them. I say, if God can speak to you, then he can also speak to me. Look at Moses, uh, Joshua, and the tabernacle. When the presence of God had left, he was still waiting there. Let me say to you, do you know if you decide... You may not have a big house, but you can decide that, Father, this chair is where we meet you every 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. And when you are there, you are giving God your 100% attention, and you keep that kind of discipline for some time. Something will begin to happen in your life. How many of you are married here? Married woman, when your husband is watching his favorite program, maybe NTA News or Premier League or whatever he's watching, you know that's not the time to go and tell him about Gary has finished in the house, there's no soup. Sure, you know that. You are talking, the man will just be looking. Because his attention is not there. God loves it when he can our God is a jealous lover. The Holy Spirit, you know, is a person. He's a jealous lover. He loves it when it's just you and him. How many of you fell in love at least one time in your life? Do you know when you're in love with somebody and you are talking on that phone, you didn't raise your hand, you are touching somebody. This is it. <laughs> I will report you to your wife. <laughs> Look at these pastors. Do you know when you are talking to the person you love, you don't want any other person there? Say, hello. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> People around say, what? why is she laughing to herself? But there's somebody on the other side. Your attention is totally there. This is how to engage the presence of God. When you begin to engage God like this, I can tell you, you will have, uh, there are certain things I cannot preach that I've experienced with God. I can't preach them. Because if you preach them, people will not understand it. One time I was in a very, very, very hard place. Alone in the world. Boom. The Lord took me to heaven. Another time, the father took me up and said, don't pray for the experience. But it can happen. You know God can give you something to drink that will last you a lifetime. And nobody will lay hands on you. Come. No, no. No, no. He said, come. The father said, come. He put me to his chest. God, he said, start drinking. I wish I was as greedy as Moses. I drank more. I said, I do. I should have stayed for like three days drinking that. I don't know what he, but I drank something from heaven. Don't ask me how God looks. I didn't see his face. There are things we cannot share. But it's not just for pastors. It's for people who will crave that presence of God. Sometimes you pray, you just feel as if God is near you. Anybody ever experienced that? 
Of course, we don't live by feeling, we live by faith. But the deeper you go into God, the more you are going to experience him. And I'm telling you, when that begins to happen, God will tell you where the money is. He will tell you where the next open door is. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Those of you online, are you with us? Can you say better amen? Amen. Well, you know, churches are becoming more of entertainment centers now. We even be comedian to service. Anybody ever heard of Holy Ghost laughter? When you are laughing without planning to laugh? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, that has been replaced with comedians. But if Holy Ghost comes on you and you really laugh, you will get healed. If the Holy Ghost comes on you and you really laugh, God will open doors of financial opportunity. I'm not saying comedians are wrong, don't get me wrong, but they have their place. They don't have their place in your pulpit on a Sunday morning. They don't have their place in your pulpit during teaching service. They don't have their place in your pulpit during time of worship. If you are doing something light, a bad day or something funny, like go and, go and spend your money. But we are, we are substituting brass for gold. And if we are not teaching this in this generation, this generation is an entertainment generation. You go to some churches, what they call praise and worship, you start saying, is this praise and worship? Forgive me, oh. Maybe I'm old school. Maybe I'm getting old. Come on. There's no... I don't even know how to say it, Seth. There's no way you are in church, you are shaking your bum, you are shaking your chest, and you say you are praising the Lord, you are distracting people, people are taking their eyes up, and you say the Holy Ghost is there. Come on, go to a bar, beer parlor and do your thing. They just... Some of you are looking... Am I not telling the truth? Online, you will see some... This online is a problem. They will say one church, their worship, their praise session. And when you press the thing, the reason I'm saying there are some of you do that, you don't go and copy it in your church and say that's what's bringing crowd. That's the only reason I'm saying it. I know what to do. I won't do that kind of dumb thing here. And if we bring you, we chase you out. There's nothing wrong in dancing. But when praise and worship is as if we're in a disco hall, you, the sister, you are shaking your bum in that guy's face. The presence of God is not there. Brothers are binding the spirit of lust. If you know I'm telling the truth, please wave. I'm telling the truth. You can't be shaking your bum in brother's face. Some will go and even face themselves. The guy will face the sister. They will go down, 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 down. You, first of all, you think, oh, maybe it's secular. Then, I go worship my God, oh. I go, I say, what? I, I'm telling you, they will dig, 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 dig. And if, I, if it is a party, that music, will, that, that dance will pass for a party easily. Listen, friends, these are serious matters. And we, many people are not thinking... That is not the Holy Ghost. I'm just telling you that. And we who have been around for some time, we know what, when Holy Ghost laughter come on somebody, the person is laughing like he took laughing gas. And he didn't take anything. But what we are selling today 
to the next generation, we are not being fair to them. We were not raised like that. But if you have that kind of church, young people will come home because that is, uh, uh, you have given them another kind of discourse on the morning. Everybody will come to the altar and by the time you start preaching, they are sleeping. Because the energy of that thing, they are tired. <laughs> so turn your Bible. Everybody. Is there. Go and check those kind of churches. Some of you have been here. Last convention, Holy Ghost came. We were all running here. But it was not planned. It was Pastor Femi Ogumba who that the Holy Ghost first hit. And he ran from there. Psh. And everybody, I'm, sometimes in this church, running breaks out without planning it. It just breaks out. People are screaming, we can't stop there. It just breaks out. But when you now say that you are, you are setting a standard, the pre, listen, the, the Holy Ghost is a jealous lover. Some of the dance steps in church now. If you take the dance step in church, a nightclub night is the same. You scatter leg the way they scatter leg. Yeah, but one bishop is doing it. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I talk up. Whatever you want to do, go and do. Do you want the presence of God or don't you want the presence of God? Okay. Let me throw one or two things. So, Preparation precedes manifestation of the manifest presence of God. Can you say with me? Preparation precedes manifestation of the manifest presence of God. You can write down Exodus 19 from verse 9 all the way to verse 25. You remember the story God told them they should prepare? Exodus 19.10. The Lord said to Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day, for the third day of the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people of Mount Sinai. If you remember this story, they had to really prepare. And in verse 18, 17, And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the neither part of the mount, and Mount Sinai was all together on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And God even had to say to them, tell them not to break the, 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 the boundary set, and so on. The point I want to make here is that preparation precedes. You know, the kind of do you know if everybody coming to a service spent just 10 minutes praying before they come, that service would be different. The reason I'm saying this is that when the anointing is on you, when the presence of God is in the meeting, what has been bothering people for 20 years can go in two seconds. And that's why we must do everything to make sure we have the presence of God. And pastors, you know one thing? If the presence is there, God will get the job done. You don't even need to do much. I was in the church in Lagos, Pastor uh, Mabogs, we call him Mabogs, I forgot his first name now. We were all in, you know, knew ourselves back in university days. I mean, 
They had been praying and waiting on the Lord. I remember one, one sister like that. She said she was, she was born deaf in one of the ears. Just deaf from birth. Just deaf. Grown woman. I gave that word of knowledge. She was in the children's church. God healed her in the children. If some of you probably, if you followed that program, you, you, it was online. You, you, you see that testimony. He said, she had to ask her mother, at what age do you start hearing with both ears? Because she, she, she never knew. It was just the presence of God. But they prepared. They spent time praying. Do you know in one service, God, a pastor, one of our pastors in Lagos Church was just telling me, called me this morning. Uh, BJ called me this morning. I said, why are you not coming for convention? I said, he says, uh, Daddy, you forgot the prophecy you gave me that God will open a door for my business in East Africa as an IT consultant. Blah, 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 blah. He said, well, I can't even remember the prophecy myself. He said, well, they just called a few of us and they picked me from Nigeria to come to Kenya to represent Nigeria. Now, that's the purpose of prophecy. If that opportunity came and it was not ready, but it was in the atmosphere of the presence of God, Anybody who oppressed by the gifts of the Spirit, you will know. The prophet said, bring me a minstrel just to change the atmosphere. When the atmosphere is not right, the Holy Ghost will not move. I forgot the prophecy, but I said, the thing is coming to pass, so it's going there. I said, I told him, money there. He said, the one will go show me, money follow up. Someone said, well, how many steps did you tell me to take? Holy Ghost just showed up and God gave him direction. I'm trying to create a hunger so that we can spend more time waiting on the Lord. Nothing wrong with telling your church, let's all pray in the Holy Ghost for 10 minutes. You know, even praying the Holy Ghost is disappearing from the body of Christ now because we don't want to offend people. Seeker-sensitive churches. We don't want to offend anybody. Let's just speak English. Now, I understand that. But when we are gathered together and we are all filled with the Holy Ghost, what is wrong with 10 minutes praying in tongues? People don't even know what tongues sound like again. May God help us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was, uh, we were in our church in the UK this year sometime. And uh, our church is in Guildford. I'm sure they are watching. Whatever I can't finish today, I'll do it another time. Uh, I think I need to take two things and then I'll let you go. And um, a sister, because it's two hours drive from London. So they said the sister was coming. She, we didn't see her. When she drove in with her friend, I was starting to share the grace. You know, it was the end of the service. Ah, and it, it, it bothered me. I said, ah, God, this woman drove two hours. And now we are going. And the anointing was thick. So I said, talk. So everybody stand up. Let's begin to thank God for this service. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't touch that woman. She just collapsed. But it was a type of collapse that ah, there were four doctors in the meeting. So I signaled if I said to because she was not moving. I said, I pray that God will touch you that you cannot move so that you can do something in your life permanent. So I said, check out. She signaled the others. She said, Pastor, she's okay. What she came to see me for, I didn't need to cancel. Oh! 
We are so conscious of our needs. But the God who provides, we need to be more conscious of him. What she came to see me for was solved. I think she was probably on that floor for maybe, I don't remember, 20, 30 minutes. We, you, you tried to lift her. She, it was as if she was paralyzed. Those times are coming. Amen. We who came out of Orthodox churches, those were the things that drew us. Those are the, the kind of hunger that we had for God. Do you understand? It was this kind of hunger that drew us. We wanted to see the glory, the manifest presence of God. I got born again in secondary school, not because I had problem. I just loved Jesus. I wasn't looking for a miracle. I was just looking for God. Some of the messages I'll be bringing you during this convention, they are not, you may not like them, but I will teach them. Because we need to go back to that first love. 